Hi. This is What Do. Here is a business podcast. I'm wearing a blazer. With me is Mark Stiles. Hello. Hello. Hi, uh, Mark of Stiles Law. He's a real estate attorney. What's a real estate attorney? It's a great question, Thomas. So a real so a real estate attorney is an attorney that handles legal questions, counsels, advice, clients, specifically for real estate situations. So when someone wants, buys a house, they want to know it's not illegal. Uh, yeah, so that's one thing. They want to make sure that the people selling it to them really own it. So that would be illegal. So someone could like like squat in a house and just say it's theirs? It's been attempted, and it's been attempted successfully for some, but usually uh, at some point the uh, the time runs out on folks like that. So if it got that far, it would be really interesting. Um, but we are the due diligence uh, process for people buying homes. And then we also help facilitate people who are selling their homes by way of kind of easing the experience and showing the buyer the due diligence that they need and kind of proving out that our client actually owns the property. So not all property is theft? Um, no, not all property is theft. Uh, you can buy and sell property freely in the marketplace in our country right now without police involvement at all. Nice. What do you need to learn to be like, because you're a lawyer, you got to go to law school? (laughs) So what's the question? So what do you got to learn? Stuff, a lot of it. A lot of stuff. So is law law? Like you go to law school, do you just learn law and then you realize, like, I want to be a house lawyer? You know, that's a great question. Tremendous, actually. Uh, No, you learn all the laws. So you basically go there, and you know the game Monopoly? Mm -hmm. Complicated, right? Yeah. So there's got to be one person that knows all the rules. Otherwise, it's pure chaos, right? So we went there to learn all the rules. And then we decide which way we want to go. In what direction do we want to represent criminals? Eh, they don't make the best clients, right? Because you're not getting Christmas cards from them. You're not getting, you know, happy birthday wishes. They're they're bad people by and large, you know? Uh, I'm not going to say anyone who's in the courthouse is guilty, but I would say that a high percentage of the people accused of crimes are guilty of those crimes. So I wasn't really all fired up about those clients. They're probably not good for it either, right? The what? Like, can they, like, because you want repeat business, yeah? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? People get repeat business. I mean, all right. So let's back up. Uh, the first field of law that I dipped my toes in was criminal law. And what happens when you're a young attorney, a lot of young attorneys get into it because there's a lot of experience you can gain by being in the courtroom all the time, uh, either working for the government in the district attorney's offices, local district courts, prosecuting people for drinking and driving and sort, or you can go on the other side and defend them. So a lot of those clients do come back to you over and over and over again. And is it true that defense attorneys and prosecutors are a little more friendly than we think? Uh, what do you mean? Who's we? Because it's in their best interest that the cases drag on? Negative. No? Okay. No. So that's... 
Where'd you get that information? One of those stereotypes. It's like, yeah, the longer the case, the better for the lawyer. So that would be a different type of law. So the folks that work for the district attorney's office make very little money, probably less than what the typical teacher makes right now, which is a shame for both teachers and prosecutors because we need good prosecutors because there are very, very good defense attorneys that are paid a lot of money to do well and to kind of um, level the playing field, if you will, government versus accused. So those folks are well-staffed, well-trained, well-skilled attorneys making a lot of money if they're on the private sector. So if they're getting paid from a private person. Most of the cases that come into the criminal courts, however, are folks that can't afford lawyers. So the young lawyers like myself go in and say, I'll be the attorney for the day. So every person that comes into court that day accused of a crime who can't afford their own attorney is assigned to someone like my, my younger version of myself. And that's a public defender? Yep. Okay. So when did you decide that you wanted to be a real estate attorney? Another great question. So as I was defending individuals as a criminal attorney and started to represent a lot of um, juveniles, people who aren't yet 17, I think was the age in Massachusetts at the time, whoever committed a crime, I would, I would handle those cases. And I like the juvenile cases, but I was, um, at the same time, I had met a real estate professional who was sending me business and it was starting to build up. So where I was actually equally busy on both. And he would get upset when I was in court because back then there was no cell phones there was no, uh, and that really dates me, right? 1996. Oh my God. No cell phones. I'm old, people. Not that old, but I am old. Uh, and I would check my voicemail remotely from what's called a payphone. Have you ever heard of one of those? Yes. You could do voice. You could check voicemails from a payphone. So in 1996, what you could do is you put a quarter or 50 cents in. I forget. It wasn't a dime anymore. I know that. It was a dime when I was a kid, though. So when they say dropping a dime. That's where it comes from. So I would put a quarter in. I'd call my office, and I'd wait for the prompt. So the voicemail wasn't built into the system either. It was on your table like this mixing board you have here. And it would the phone would speak to the mixing board and play the messages. And I'll never forget the message I received one day from this fellow who was sending us a lot of business, and it was profitable business. And he said, why is my closing attorney in court? Closing attorneys should be closing files, not in court. They should be moving and shaking, putting things together, paperwork, closing the actual transactions and being available for people. On that same day, plus or minus months or so, um, I was asked to handle a case where a 15-year-old boy had sodomized his five-year-old stepbrother. Okay. I, I handled it very well. I, I argued uh, this was a juvenile. There could be a lot of things at play here. Why don't we do a 30-day inpatient and have them analyzed? Because this is kind of psychotic. What right? kind this of is, house did, was that? Well, it's broken, yeah. right? So there's stepbrothers, and, and there's mental health issues, clearly, right? So... After I successfully argued for bail, right, so that's what I was being asked to do, are we going to 
issue bail for him? Are we going to let him back out onto the street after he just sodomized his five-year-old stepbrother? What are we going to do? So they put him into this inpatient program. I don't know whatever happened to him because that was pretty much the last case that I handled. I went home. I stared at the ceiling. Fuck this. Yeah. I'm, I, the other clients are nicer. They, uh, you know, they're more pleasant to deal with. And I was on track to be doing you know, rapes, murders, and, you know, waking up and looking in the mirror, that wasn't for me. It's for some people. And, and we need people to defend our Constitution against uh, potential corrupt, corrupt government. I'm not saying that government by and large is corrupt, but there are bad people everywhere. So we need to have the balance. So we need good people to be there for the balance. But I wasn't one of those guys. It wasn't going to be me, you know? Mm. So you mentioned closings. In my in my brain, every time I hear closing, I hear like buying, like, like the you know the scene, coffees for closers. Like you oh, so great scene, yeah. best scene in a movie, I think of all time. Yeah, that was, that was that guy was mean, but like you know. But you know what? It was so eighty. So business really isn't conducted like that anymore. Yeah. But it was in the eighties. Now this was I was in school in the eighties. In full disclosure, I was not an attorney in the 80s. But when that movie came out, that was real. That's the one scene that was added to the movie that wasn't in the play. Oh, is that right? That's Yeah. And it was like, it's like the most memorable scene. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was uh, David Mamet. Okay. Yeah. I'm not familiar with his work. Well, he does both uh, stage plays and film. He actually wrote a very... Uh, very famous on on directing film or whatever, which I haven't read yet, but it's like on the short list. Is and it on Audible? Because I never read. I only listen. I don't think it's on Audible. I have this like third party. I don't know if it's by Audible, but it's just called Audiobooks, and it's on my phone. Is it kind of like um, Bear Share and Napster was a bunch? Is it like uh... Bear Share? What kind of what kind of boomer shit is this? Bear shit. I'm not a boomer, dude. <laughs> I am. I am not a boomer. Everyone older than 26 is a boomer. Oh uh, God, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I have audio. No, books, is it like... is it pirated material or? Are you... Oh no. Oh, okay. It's uh... so Napster and BearShare, when the internet first came out, BearShare I think came before Napster. I think Napster was the better run company, if you will, uh, running through the shadows and alleys of the. <laughs> of the internet, but uh, Bear Share was also a very popular form to share music. Yeah. Very different time. So is a closing a, a buy, a purchase every time, or is it just like to an end of a transaction? It's a great question. So a closing by definition, which is slang, right? It's actually slang because of <clears throat> the ease of process because a lot of the professionals in the actual closing process are um you know it's 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 a um, it's a simple transaction really buyer and seller and uh, a closing is is deemed whenever the buyer and seller actually sit down together and exchange papers so sometimes it's called passing papers so you're exchanging title in essence a formal exchange of title from the seller to the buyer is what a closing would be closing so it's closed it's over we've closed you hold the deal you hold like the checklist of yeah yeah okay in my head but yeah you're a professional uh a few thousand what's the what's the worst thing that can go wrong 
for a closing? Uh, great question. Uh, usually it's people involved. Um, usually the transactions get their reputation of being challenging and difficult because of how the people behave. When you're in a real estate transaction, either the buyer or the seller, and sometimes the professionals themselves, it's a high energy, high stakes moment of time. And the anxiety levels ratchet up really, really high. And folks who aren't doing a lot of these, such as a buyer or a seller, right? They, how many times do most people buy and sell homes once or twice in their lifetime, right? So it's either their first time or they haven't done it in 10 years. And it's stressful because you're moving. There's a lot that goes into play other than what we see, right, from the legal perspective. I mean, they're moving. They're switching schools. You know, maybe there's something else going on. Who knows? But the anxiety involved in the actual transaction is at an all-time high. So a lot of what we're doing is managing anxieties for people. But that's how it gets weird because a lot of people don't know how to handle anxiety and stress, and they add to it. Right. So it becomes like this stew of stress. And most people are like, I don't want to do that ever again because it's so, you know, you lose sleep. You know, it's a 45 day process of, you know, you're hanging on your nails, waiting for calls or making calls or doing 10 times more things than you would normally do in your everyday life. You know, I understand that. I got a tattoo once. Mark, have you ever been sued? Have I ever been sued? So I've been named in lawsuits that were involved in other transactions. And it's, you know, not scary for me because I understand the process and the procedures. But when we're counseling a client on taking a situation that otherwise could be fixed, mediated, if you will, brought to the middle, you know, where two people are upset with each other and we're trying to get to the middle, a lot of my advice, it's not just monetary, which most people... Most attorneys will try to settle the case by saying, you're going to spend this much in lawyer fees. You're going to spend this much. Why don't we just settle the case now and stop spending money? It's not always about money because there's so, so much principle and pride involved in some of these. But what I always say to people is, yeah, there's going to be a lot of money. The, mo the people who will make all the money are the lawyers, right? You guys aren't going to make the money. But more importantly, when big law firms get involved... There's no, they have no boundaries, right? So when's the last time you had someone come to your door and ring the doorbell? During dinner time. Oh, during dinner? 1978, I don't know. 1983, right? It doesn't happen anymore. I mean, it would piss you off then too, right? Yeah. During dinner? Yeah. But what about having dinner in 2018 and the doorbell rings? Whoa, that's weird. Who's that? It must be a politician or something. And you go and it's a sheriff. Uh, here you go. Here's a summons. You need to appear for a deposition. And they just keep coming, right? So you're going to keep getting that. And you're going to start to worry about it and the stress and the anxiety again, bringing that back to it. People don't like to be sued even if they're right. You know, they don't like to be in court even if they're right. And I don't blame them because there's someone up on the bench. They have a robe on. It's very formal. It's very fearful. I mean, we get into some civil, like we'll do an eviction for a client or, um, or something very mundane like that. And the landlord who owns a lot of property gets really nervous. And it's like, what, what are you so nervous about? It's this, the whole atmosphere of the court. Like they feel like they've done something wrong or someone's going to find out some dirty secret that they have. You know, it's just that weird feeling that if you can avoid it, avoid it. That's why we have a mediator in our 
practice now. Does it cost a lawyer or anything to get sued, or is it just time? Like, couldn't you just represent? Could you represent yourself and not pay a lawyer? You could, you could, but you know, and another great question. There's a lot of court fees, right? So nothing is free, right? So to file a lawsuit, you have to pay a few hundred dollars just to the court to process the whole thing, right? But you know, if something goes badly, you know, and you're representing yourself and you haven't notified your insurance carrier then they might deny your coverage and they might not defend you and pay out a claim. So what the advice to all professionals is if you're named in a lawsuit, whether you're really involved in it or they're just throwing a net over everybody who potentially has insurance, which is the situations we've fallen into. So a closing goes badly for somebody and somebody's upset, they sue everybody. Real estate agents, lenders, attorneys, inspectors, garbage men, the whole, everybody, throw a net over them. But you have to notify your insurance carrier because if there is some validity or something happens, then, you know, you might be paying that out of your own pocket and that wouldn't be good. Do you think that the job of an attorney, Yep. this is top artist, Yep. and we're looking at jobs, possible jobs yep. for- not just millennials in general, but people on the spectrum. Okay. Do you think that an attorney, specifically a real estate attorney, is a job that could work with someone on the 100%. Spectrum? Okay. Because I'm thinking, it's like, oh, this is a very like technical job. You've well, to you help me, help me understand autism better then, because I would think the more technical, the better for some folks, right? Yeah. So one of the hallmarks, I think, like, the, you, meet, you know, you're going to meet one autistic person, you meet one autistic person. Sure. But what I think is the recurring things is like we don't mind doing repetitive things, yeah. Especially if we're getting paid for it, um, because like I un- I don't understand how people can do something like I don't know sweeping a floor or something like that, yeah. And be like, oh, just doing this like we're just doing this all day. Like if that's all I have to do, that's great. So you just get into a routine and you automate yeah. it and you just repeat and repeat. Well, there's a lot of that in real estate. And that's why like that's why artistic people I think love Minecraft so much. It's like you have those repeated little chores. It's so rewarding. Interesting. So and also a lot of memorization. Great memories typically. Again, very good in real estate law because there are similar things that don't happen all the time but happen a lot. So if you can go back into your mental filing cabinet and be like, okay, I remember this like six months ago and this is what we did. Very helpful. Okay. Very helpful to streamline a process if you have people who have strong memories and have strong skills of, of repetition and of um, you know, analysis. Right? Like you're a very good people person though. I am. I think so. Oh well thank you. What is a people person? Like we're all people, right? So we're all people persons, aren't we? I never liked that term, by the way. No, I I just think it's it's it fails to convey what people are trying to say. You know, a people person. Well, let's break that down. Does that mean I like people, or that people like me? Aren't we all people persons? You are a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, like, you're ver- you're good. You're a good socializer. You, okay. I think you can connect with people. Okay. See, that's more descriptive. Yeah. That explains what you're trying to say. People person is like, eh. Yeah, okay. It's like, <laughs> meh. All right. Meh. Okay, Mark. Meh. <laughs> M-E-H. You shouldn't have thanked me when I said it then. Well, because I knew what you meant. Okay. 
I feel we can go deeper into something where if someone said that to me off the street, I'd be like, thank you. And you have a nice day as well. Okay. You know? Do you think, I don't know if this is another word, you don't, a wallflower, someone okay. who is less socially inept. Yep. Or an more introverted so person. Yeah. But an introverted person or someone who's afraid? Let's say someone who's maybe not afraid, but skittish. Because I, I don't know what to call myself in that aspect. Okay. Once I know someone well enough, like- I'll Trust just... but verify. Kind exactly. Of like I, I'm, I'm the quiet one. Okay. Like in say the first 20, mi- 20 hours cumulative of getting to know okay. someone. Like in the- I, I see that through experience. I believe yeah. you. So how do I say this without being a dick guest is I have a ten appointment in 10 minutes. So at this point, we would edit what I just said there, right? And then you'd turn this into a wrap-up. Wow. That was great, Mark. That was great, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Thomas. That was that was awesome. That was really fun. Probably, probably again sometime, and I'm going to get some more guests. Stay tuned for what do. Patreon.com slash Top Autist. See you. N.T. N.T.